This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Get ready for a comeback. Howdy, y'all. Dead. And a great murder mystery. Sometimes it's easier to figure out someone else's secret than it is to deal with your own. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and this episode of What to Watch is a special one. It's all about summer TV, as we reveal five of the shows that we are most excited for this summer, from comedy and drama, even some superhero fare. So let's get to it. Say bienvenido to number five on our list of summer must-watches. It's the fourth season of Netflix's Elite. That's right, we are headed back to Spanish school this summer to check in with the students at Las Encinas. There are a bunch of new faces in class with several new cast members in attendance at the upper-class secondary school. And joining me now to preview the new season is EW's Marcus Jones. Hey, Marcus, how's it going? Hola. Going well. <laughs> good, good. Glad to hear it. Well, let's dive into this right here because um, with the show, this season they've done a bit of a reset because several of the characters graduated, went off to college or died in a couple cases. But tell us about where this new season finds everyone. Right. So I think going into the third season, the fans' biggest fears were like, oh my God, we are losing this cast that we fell in love with. And if you follow through with it and see the finale, they actually found a creative way to keep probably half the cast. Creative and smart way. <laughs> so smart. They mixed it up. You know, a little bit of cancer here, a little bit of expulsion there. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> a new student coming in uh, who wasn't there before. And so already setting up, we know that they are going to uh, be coming back for the do-over of the equivalent of like a senior year. Um, and that yep. includes Samuel, Guzman, um, Rebecca is there. And um, oh, my favorite is <laughs> you see Cayetana come back as the cleaning lady. I love her. <laughs> I know. And so basically, uh, we already know that they're coming in uh, this new year. And with the new season, immediately we are introduced to both a new school director who's this tech CEO that's very successful, very rich. Mm -hmm. And he happens to have three kids that are all joining their class. No, they're not triplets. The explanation is very fun. But their names are Ari, <laughs> Patrick, and Mencia. Um, we are going gringo. I am going to be a little Spanglish with some of the names. But anyways, they all sort of come in and really just shake everything up. As the show is known for, there's love triangles, mm -hmm. there's intrigue. It's not necessarily violence, but definitely class warfare. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a lot of like, I'm not rich enough for her or like, you're too poor to be hanging out with us. And of course, like to amp it up even more, the other new character is a prince named Philippe. Ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, they uh, really found some people that not only make the story more interesting, but also fill in some of what we lost. So like Ari in particular, yeah. 
is a little bit of a combination of Lou and Carla, who we lost mm. last season. Uh, Carla mm. being sort of the mysterious rich girl who was literally like um, a marchioness, I think is the royal title. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Lou was just like the queen bee mean girl <sighs> who really had all the best lines and ran the school. And I hated to love her and I love to hate her. <laughs> exactly. So Ari kind of offers the best of both worlds. And so she's one to look out for. Gotcha. So this show, and it feels a little weird to say this because we are talking about a show that is involving, uh, you know, students at a high school. But this show is it's quite hot. Like things get steamy. And then, of course, on top of all that, there's there's, you know, uh, partying and crime. So even just by the trailer, which everyone has hopefully seen, it looks like we're definitely getting all of that and some more. Is that assessment correct? I mean, totally. It's fun to watch a show where it's like, wow, they're doing another thruple. Um, <laughs> but uh, the case here is definitely with Patrick. Uh, Omander, which is the name of the couple, Omar and Ander, mm -hmm. they've had a rough go of it the entire series. And the final season shows them sort of like finally firmly together. But already going into it, Patrick is another gay student who certainly has eyes for one of them, possibly has eyes for both of them. But in talking to the showrunner, He's really there to kind of explore it more as like what are open relationships like nowadays and especially mm. in high school. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of the real romantic uh, intrigue. And I mean, Patrick's sister Mencia is also uh, it was kind of not quite a throwaway line, but it's very easy to forget that Rebecca has already come out as a bisexual. Um, but we mm -hmm. saw her pining so hard for Samuel uh, last season and so she's yeah. still getting over that. But Mencia comes in and makes her think like there's more out in the world and there's other parts of her identity to explore and uh, is really there to possibly help her uh, with her heartbreak. All right. All right. Definitely some intrigue there. Okay. Uh, last thing I got for you here. This show is one of Netflix's most popular international titles. It made our list of the 50 best teen TV shows of all time. So what what do you love about it? Why do you think it's deserving of a spot on a list like that? Yeah, well, a thing that it always gets compared to is Gossip Girl. And yeah. I actually wrote our blurb about Elite on that uh, 50 best teen TV shows list. And a thing that I mentioned was like in America, when Gossip Girl was on, it was so scandalous that they were going to do like mm -hmm. a threesome plot or like someone getting shot was like the big sort of intrigue. And with Elite, it just completely amps it up and everything's sort of looser. It's not as buttoned up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sort of lost in the thread. But the great thing about it is it amps up that idea of sort of like edgy teen drama. There's murder mysteries. There's the aforementioned threesomes. Uh, it has a much more open-minded approach to sexuality on the show, which I think fans, especially Gen Z, has gravitated to as something that's representative of how they feel about it. And so it really is just like such a fun, open-minded, sometimes mysterious adventure into what it's like at an extremely private elite high school in Spain, I guess. Yeah. So 
international intrigue as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. For all of you listening, I don't think we have spoiled too much about the first three seasons. I highly recommend watching all of those before you dive into season four, which premieres June 18th on Netflix. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks so much. Ciao. What's the sunny season without a little murder and intrigue? Well, our number four must-see TV show is a killer dark comedy, Only Murders in the Building. Created by Steve Martin and John Hoffman, the 10-episode series premieres on Hulu on August 31st and follows three strangers, played by Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, who share an obsession with true crimes and then find themselves caught up in one. Here's a preview. A great murder mystery unpeels itself like an onion. The secrets are the fun part. Sometimes it's easier to figure out someone else's secret than it is to deal with your own. We're going to go down there and look around for clues. You want to come? Do I want to break into a dead guy's apartment and go through all his shit? Sounds like an afternoon. Sounds like a lot of fun afternoons delving into crimes with Selena Gomez and co. Only Murders in the Building arrives on Hulu August 31st. It's trivia time. Selena Gomez's first acting role was playing Gianna in the popular children's television show Barney and Friends in 1992. But which fellow singer-actor starred alongside Gomez on the series? Was it Demi Lovato, Miley Cyrus, or Hilary Duff? Stick around for the answer. And our top three picks for this summer TV special. What to Watch will be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. Now it's time to feel the power of our number three pick, Raising Canaan, the next installment in the Power Universe, comes to stars July 18th. Set in the 90s, the prequel series tracks the early years of 50 Cent's memorable power character Kanan, who, spoiler alert, died after being set up by Ghost, Tasha, and Tariq. Makai Curtis takes on the role of Kanan in the new series, and he's joined by an ensemble cast that includes Omar Epps, Patina Miller, London Brown, and Joey Badass, among many others. And joining me now to tell us more about this latest entry in the Power Universe is EW's Derek Lawrence. How's it going, Derek? It's going good. Do, am I part of the What to Watch universe? I mean, I guess I've always been a part if it exists. 
That's so true. It's become its own thing, and you are certainly part of it. But this power universe really has, uh, you know, outside of Marvel, become uh, one of the kind of biggest TV universes. Uh, so let, let's dive into this. You know, I, I just gave kind of a basic setup there of the show, but tell us a bit more about Kanan and, and his place in this world. Yeah, so as you mentioned, Kanan was originally memorably played by 50 Cent, who's basically was is one of the, he's not credited as a creator of the Power Universe, but he kind of, it was his initial idea to start this, and then he's been a, a producer and a really hands-on producer ever since on all the shows. Yeah, his character was more of a supporting one on Power, but for those who did watch the original series, there was something really menacing and like, he was kind of a bad guy, but you couldn't help but like love every time that he was on screen. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of mistakes around the character because they they only dived into him so much so now as you mentioned he was you know killed off towards the end of power but now we go back to 1991 we go to south jamaica queens which is actually where 50 cent grew up so this is like even you know you add on that extra personal part of it for him and we're going to explore kind of how kanan became the kind of menacing literally guy who killed his own son kind of person Uh, we're going to see right. how that all started. And um, this is definitely a different version of the character that we're going to meet at least early on in Raising Kanan. He's, mm-hmm. he's a 15-year-old, uh, you know, Makai Curtis, the star, he, he, you know, he said this is kind of a kid just trying to figure out who he is in life. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how quickly they progress that character. Um, I would imagine it's going to take a little bit to get to uh, to where we find him in power. But I will say... This is probably the biggest swing so far in this ever-growing universe. You know, as you said, they're really world-building here. And, you know, they have power. That was a huge hit. Power Book 2 Ghost essentially just picked up in the aftermath of the end of power and followed a lot of the characters from power. So... It's like, yeah, it was a new show and it was, you know, now following Tariq instead of, you know, Ghost, but still a little bit of the same thing. Right. You know, we're going backwards. We're in 1991. We're not seeing any actors that we're familiar with in the Power Universe. So this is going to be the first, I think, real test of the pun intended power of the power universe. <laughs> right, right. You mentioned how this show, we're really going to get to see how he became what he became. And and his mom is undoubtedly going to be a big part of that story. Uh, she is played by Tony winner, Patina Miller. What should we expect from this mother-son dynamic? Yeah, I mean, first off, you should expect a kind of scene-stealing, can't-miss performance from Patina Miller. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to be honest, I was not familiar with her before I checked out Raising Kanan. You didn't watch Madam Secretary? I, wow. I'm sorry. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hawaii Five-0 was, was all I could do on CBS. And, you know, okay. you know how dedicated I was to that show. So yes. I couldn't really spread yeah. out the CBS love any more than that. So, yeah. So she was a newbie to me. And I was just kind of blown away watching her and this character of Rock in this you know, I've only seen one episode, but just in that, I was like, okay, I need to see more of her. I mean, she's the one doing the titular raising of Kanan, right? So right. obviously she's going to play a major role. And I, it, talking to both Patina and Makai, like, it really feels like the heart of this show is that mother-son relationship. And it's kind of um, one of the themes, you know, that Makai said. He's basically is like, you know, a mother's love for her son, a son's love for his mother, and what they're willing to do to, to protect each other. And Patina Miller, she's... I feel like we haven't really seen a character like this on power before. She's a kind of a queen pin, I would say, but not on the level 
of Ghost, right? That's That was the whole setup mm-hmm. of this universe since entering this universe. Ghost is kind of running the drug trade, essentially, in New York mm-hmm. and trying to go legit, where Rock is really owning her real estate in where she does this in South Jamaica, Queens, but she's no, you know, she's not owning some huge nightclub like Ghost sure. is. She's not living in a penthouse. So it's kind of a, a different side of things. And Tina Miller was just really excited talking about she's to her. She said as a black woman on TV, she feels like there's not really opportunities like this to kind of play Mm. this kind of three dimensional character in this this character that's in this male dominated world. But as she said, not cowering in the corner and not afraid to speak her mind. So there's a lot to be intrigued with her and with Rock. Just in the first episode, she has some good scenes with Joey Badass. She has some good Mm -hmm. scenes with Omar Epps. And then obviously, you know, with, with Makai. So I am. Uh, I'm very excited to just kind of keep getting to know more and more of this rock character and Patina Miller. Now, unless I maybe I'll have to go back and, and binge Madam Secretary. <laughs> she's that good and, yep. and so far in Canaan. Yeah, she's great. She's great. All of that said, what excites you most about this particular series, the third one in the franchise? Going into the first episode, I, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, you, you were like, mm-hmm. okay, so we're doing a Canaan prequel. So yeah, I know the character of Kanan a bit, but I, like I said earlier, I don't know any of these actors in this world. So it's not like, you know, on Ghost, everyone was like, oh, when is Tommy going to show up? Joseph Sikora's fan favorite character. Like, when's Tommy coming? When's Tommy coming? And then Tommy comes at the end of season one and we're like, oh, holy crap. Awesome. Finally. But like, that's not going to really happen. You you know, those mm-hmm. kind of cameos you would think uh, since we're set essentially, you know, 25 years yeah. before the original show. So, I mean, there is some nice like world tying, you know. Uh, Jukebox is a character, Kanan's cousin, that we saw in the original series. So she's a a major character here on Kanan. But I'm really intrigued by the setting. And that's what everyone's been bringing up when I've been talking to them. Right? On TV, we've gotten 70s and 80s overload, right? Especially 80s. And probably Stranger Things is a bit to blame for that, right? Like that was such a a hit that everyone's like, all right, we got everyone wants the 80s. Let's keep going back to the 80s. But like the 90s is not, especially the early 90s, is not really a period that we've seen on television since the early 90s, probably. Um, so it's, you know, looking back at it and, and seeing it from a different angle, right? Because, like, I don't know what you were doing in 1991, Jared, but I'm guessing you weren't in South Jamaica, Queens, in these neighborhoods, hanging out with people like Hayden and his family. So just kind of seeing a different entryway into this. 50 Cent has called this the golden era. Which, uh, talking Mm. to the showrunner, he's like, take that with what you will. That he calls this kind of era the golden era. But yeah, I'm just interested to see kind of how this era plays out and how they kind of further along this character of Kanan. I kind of love the, what almost sold me when talking to the showrunner was he said, basically he was handed, hey, we want to make a Kanan prequel and think Goodfellas. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm. Okay. That says a lot right there. One of the best movies, you know, of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And then I even, you know, had an interview with Omar Epps and he he dropped a Wonder Years comparison. So I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like, okay, so the, the love child of Wonder Years, Goodfellas and Power. I'm in. I'm what in a just combo. on that. I mean, all of that said right there, like really what ultimately this is saying is this is setting all of us up for some powerful viewing. I love it. Love it. I couldn't resist. Well, Power Book 3 Raising Canaan debuts July 18th on Stars. Be sure to check that one out. Thanks so much, Derek. Thank you, Jaren. Number two. Based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name, our number two pick is the Disney Plus series Loki, which puts Thor's brother in the spotlight for a sci-fi adventure that aims to uncover who he really is. 
The show follows a version of Loki from a branched timeline, the one who stole the Tesseract and escaped S.H.I.E.L.D. custody in Avengers Endgame, but not the one who met his demise at the hands of Thanos in 2018's Avengers Infinity War. Confused? Well, here's star Tom Hiddleston to explain where things pick up. I suppose Loki picking up the Tesseract in Endgame might have caused some concern. It is very exciting. The world of the TVA is a world of bureaucratic order. And of course, Loki is the god of mischief and chaos. So you have the forces of order and chaos coming together. And, um, and that's where our story starts. Well, consider us ready. Loki's adventures get underway June 9th on Disney+. Pour yourself a cup of tea and grab a biscuit because it is time to catch up with our favorite coach. Our number one pick is none other than Ted Lasso himself. His team may have been relegated to a lower division in the season one finale, but the Golden Globe winning show is on an upward trajectory. The heartfelt series starring Jason Sudeikis returns for its second outing on July 23rd, with Coach Lasso determined, one, to get AFC Richmond some wins, but also to win over more club execs with his shortbread and inspire all with his pep talks. Here's a preview. Howdy, y'all. Ted! What do you say to a cocktail, Coach Lasso? Oh, the same thing I'd say to Diane Sawyer if she ever asked me out on a date. Yes, please. <laughs> Live from the dog track, it's Richmond with eight straight ties. How many more matches before you hit the panic button? There's two buttons I never like hitting. That's panic and snooze. I don't care what our record is. It's all about believing that everything's going to work out in the end. Exactly as it's supposed to. And isn't the idea of never give up one of them things we always talk about in sports? And shouldn't that apply to people, too? Uh, it is truly inspirational stuff, soccer fan or not. Tune in for all of those nuggets of lasso wisdom when the show returns July 23rd on Apple TV+. Trivia. And now the answer to our trivia question. Only Murders in the Building star Selena Gomez's first acting role was playing Gianna on the popular children's television show Barney and Friends in 1992. But which fellow singer-actor starred alongside Gomez on the series? Demi Lovato, Miley Cyrus, or Hilary Duff? Sorry, not sorry if you got this wrong, but if you got it right, consider yourself cool for the summer. The answer is Demi Lovato. Well, that is our show for today. We'll have more must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which you can find at EW.com. I'm Senior TV Editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. This episode of What to Watch was written by Ruth Kinane, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, produced and hosted by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Shana Naomi Krokmal and Carly Usden.